I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Muses, the podcast all about the influential woman in rock and roll. From the rock wives to the groupies, and of course the muses, we cover all facets of women in the music scene. If you'd like to skip ahead to the muses we're covering in this episode, please see the timestamp in the description of the podcast. If you'd like to hear a little bit more about us, then just keep listening. We would like to welcome all listeners, new and loyal, to our first episode of the new year. Not only that, we're on a new network. That's right. And it was time to say goodbye to our past network and move forward with the amazing network Lipstick and Vinyl. Lipstick and Vinyl highlights the voices of storytellers with different perspectives. With such shows as Gaslit Nation, The Only One in the Room, Diking Out with Carolyn Bergier, Welcome to My Vagina, and Rebel Eaters Club, we felt like this move to this network aligned best with our message and us as individuals. If you're brand new to the podcast, please know that we have over 140 episodes. This podcast started as a do-it-yourself project, so episodes really vary over the years in terms of production and a bit of style. Some episodes we discuss autobiographies we've read, and some episodes are interviews. In those interviews, we've talked to people such as Linda Ramone, Jenny Boyd, Joe Wood, Pamela DeBar, and Maureen Van Zant, to name a few. Not only that, we've been highlighting some amazing up-and-coming women in the music scene, like the singer and songwriter Brittany Brooks, Glockabelle, Jessa, and Avery Florence. Occasionally, we reach out to our favorite band and interview them too. We are groupies after all. 
this week, we're bringing you something new that we will continue to do as we release our episodes every week. Yes, you're getting weekly episodes. For those women who fascinate us and those women who you've been requesting that may not have had a memoir or a biography or an autobiography, we're going to combine their stories. So essentially two women in one episode. Lynx and I will each present one person. This week, we present Ushi Obermeyer and Patty Hansen. The link between them? Relationships with Keith Richards, of course. So expect a lot of that in the future. I'm very excited about these changes and we've been working really hard. We're pumped to be going from bi-weekly to weekly. Just everything over here is very exciting. And thank you all for being on this journey with us and continuing to stick with us. And if you're new, thank you for checking us out. And we hope you enjoy this. I'm looking at your face, Langs. And sorry that you guys can't see this, but I'm looking at your face. And there's so much genuine happiness and joy over this. And I really feel the same way too. I am so excited for this change and this transition. And I don't think I've been really this excited about what's to come for us in a long time. I totally agree. And yeah, it just feels like the right time. And all the support that we've been getting lately is just been overwhelmingly amazing, especially when the world is the way it is right now, like I definitely have been needing this. And again, I'm just so happy to be on this journey with you too, Shanti. And um, well, is it four years now? Yeah, like, about. It, it, it's crazy. And it's we never been anything but amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we started in 2016. It's incredible. And yeah, I'm so happy. Uh, look at look at what we've done. Look at what it's great. It is great. And I'm pumped that we're doing these new episodes where we're each going to be sharing a different story together. So this is a, a first for us. It's two incredible women. So I'm excited. You ready for me to go? Do you have anything else you want to say? Sense that you go ahead and go first. Can't wait okay. to hear the story. This one has been probably one of the most highly requested muses right? Of all yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. We get this one a lot and I hope I deliver what you guys are looking for. This was a fun one to, to write as well. So I'm going to just dive right in. All right. I'm going to be covering Ushi Obermeyer. She was born September 24th, 1946 in a little suburb of Munich called Sendling. So she was raised by her mother. And from what I've read, her childhood was, I guess, a boring one, which I guess is like kind of what you want as a child. You don't want craziness. She had a nice entrance into the world, but she really wanted to be where the action was. And it certainly wasn't in this small place called Sendling. It wasn't until she discovered rock and roll, of course, that her whole world changed. As a teenager, she would take trips into Munich. She would go to a club called the Big Apple Club and she would check out all the bands and she'd be dancing all night and partying and just having a time. Originally, Ushi began a career on the other side of the camera. She worked as a photo restorer, but, you know, with that face of hers, it wasn't long before someone was like, hey, you need to be in front of that camera. Absolutely. So a man named Guido Mangold, he's the one who gave her her first big break. And that happened around April of 1968. 
the shots that he took of her were published in a very iconic magazine in Germany called Twen, T-W-E-N. And those shots really skyrocketed her career as a model and put her in the spotlight in Germany. So outside of modeling, Ushi was meeting some really interesting people at the time and became part of a new kind of political movement. So at first, she was a member of the original Amon Duel, and they were sort of a political art commune at the time that spawned a band with the same name. So in this band, she played maracas, Mm -hmm. and she can actually be heard on the first two albums that they made. Oh, yeah. Kind of a musician, maracas, (laughs) keeping the beat. In September of 1968, Ushi met a man named Rainier, Rainier Langans. I think Rainier sounds right. Do I only know that by the Simpsons character? Rainier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a Simpsons character? I'm going to do this one again. In September of 1968, Ushi met Rainier. Rain, <laughs> Rainier. Don't cut it. <laughs> God damn it, Rainier. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> She met Rainier Langans, and he was a left political activist who was involved in Commune One. And Commune One was Germany's first really politically motivated commune based in Berlin. So quite soon after they met, Ushi left Munich and followed Rainier to live at Commune One. So Ushi was sort of become a poster child for this political movement, which was kind of ironic because like she wasn't really politically motivated, but they had already, Commune One had already developed a reputation for like random acts, protests that they would do. She kind of came in the latter half of that. So like most communes, they were against conformism and the lifestyles that were kind of put on people at the time. But at the same time, they were kind of oppressive as well, right? Like, it was all about free love. They all slept together in one room. There's literally no privacy. Everything was communal. You had to share clothes. You had to share food, everything. So it's it's an interesting thing with communes and things, right? Where it's like, I'm free, but I, I'm also kind of repressed, right? Yeah. So some of the leaders in the commune also weren't too pleased with Ushi's presence there either. This was because the media was like really wild about her at the time. So her involvement was getting a lot of press, but because she was so indifferent to the political aspects of it all, and she had no problem sharing that with the media, they, they weren't really a fan of that. For her, it was more about her love for Rainier and uh, less about, you know, the ideology around the political aspect. Got it. But in no time at all, her and Rainier were doing photo shoots and things like that together. There's some amazing pictures of them smoking joints and she has her top off and she just looks phenomenal. And together, they're just, they're a sight to be seen. And the press really, they became a huge power couple. They were compared to John and Yoko. They were like the John and Yoko of Germany. Yeah. And it was the 60s. It was the sexual revolution. They came to represent that, like their image really came to represent that for Germany. Because of that, because she was so popular as a model and a figurehead for this 
sexual revolution, she started to attract many people of interest. For instance, when Jimi Hendrix came to Germany in January of 1969, yeah. he visited Ushi at Commune One and their sexual energy was undeniable. Undeniable. Yes. I mean, I imagine anyone around Jimi Hendrix would feel undeniable sexual energy, right? And Ushi for that matter. I mean, I'm put the two together. To them both. I am exactly. exactly attracted to them both. In an article from the Independent, Ushi said of Jimmy, he was the most beautiful of all my men. Making love with Jimmy was one of the most profound experiences for me. Wow. Right? What a review. If you go on YouTube, you can actually see a clip of them leaving Jimmy's hotel together after, uh, I guess, a night of profound experiences. <laughs> <laughs> and they have like a nice, sexy goodbye kiss and cuddle. So check that out for sure. Okay. By the end of 1969, Commune One had really kind of seen its day. The drug scene was happening there. It was really taking its toll on the members. And they were actually raided by a gang who believed that there was a lot of money stashed there after Ushi did a big photo shoot. And it was kind of known that she was making a lot of money. So the whole thing, the whole kind of scene sort of unraveled. And Ushi, along with Rainier, they moved back to Munich. So Ushi's career was still going strong, though. And by now, she began acting in a couple films even starring alongside Rainier in one. And that kind of really also shows how relevant they were at the time in Europe. But her and Rainier kind of ran their course and she was ready to kind of move on from him and that political scene since that wasn't really, you know, her, where her interests lied. Yeah, I'm ready for her to move on. So in 1973, Ushi met a wealthy club owner named Dieter Bockhorn. He was also an alleged former pimp, but I can't find any confirmation on that. Just yeah, wait till you wait till we get to Aretha Franklin's episode, and we're gonna have a lot to say about that. Oh, and I'm so about, pumped about engaging in relationships with pimps. Interesting. Put a pin in it. Okay. We'll to it. Ushi and Dieter would be together for the next decade, and. With him, Ushi would travel all over the world. So Bakhorn made a trailer for them. Like, um, I was going to say pimped out a trailer. <laughs> well, I guess it's called it's, that for a reason. Yeah. And they traveled extensively over the years in their little mini bus going all over places like Asia, the Middle East, Mexico, the United States. They just traveled the world. Sounds amazing. Right? Just like she was with Rainier, they kind of became a pretty famous couple and was subject to media coverage as well. Dieter was a hard man, though, and their relationship could be rocky. He was known to be a little bit physically abusive and, you know, was sleeping with other women, though Ushi hadn't given up her freedom either. So now we're going to enter the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, 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 we're probably not playing music in this episode because we're still figuring that part out. So you're welcome. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> better than me so we're good so yeah Ushi had met the stones once before and actually had a brief little fling with Mick but it was in 1973 that Keith set his eyes on her so this was just after Graham Parsons had passed away like um, like literally just after and Keith was with Bobby Keys when they both heard the news about Graham dying and they were on tour in Europe at the time and Keith got it in his head that it was much better to focus on literally anything else and he came up with this mission I'm gonna drive to Munich I'm gonna find Ushi and see what happens so he'd only met her once before and that was the night that Mick hooked up with her and he actually like walked her to Mick's hotel because she couldn't find it or something. So that was like their one encounter. And yeah, he had no idea like how he was going to find her or anything, but he was determined. Yeah, that's and- that classic. Like, I didn't go to the rock star. The rock star came to me. Right. And that, again, shows like how sought after and famous her image was at the time where Keith was just obsessed with. I mean, he didn't know her. He was just obsessed with this image and this, you know, sexual revolution, I guess, and everything. So at one in the morning, him and Bobby rent a car and take off to find his dream woman. So in Keith's words from his book, he said, her road had been littered with guys who tried to tame her. They tried to tame something that's untamable. She's the best bad girl I know. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Great. So Keith and Bobby get to Munich. They hit the town. He has no idea if she's even in town. And then he's like, even if I find her, like, what am I going to do? I'm in no condition to put the make on her. And there's not much time anyways. But you're crazy. You're young. You're on drugs. You're horny you're grieving lucky for Keith he came across a friend that actually knew Ushi and knew where she lived so he takes her to Ushi's house they knock on the door Ushi like looks out the window and is like what's happening the friend explains what's going on he says that Ushi kind of came down I think the friend explained like my friend like Keith's friend just died he's a mess she comes down She's like, hi. And he's like, oh, I just want to say hello. Like, I'm really fucked up now. I'll leave. And she came down, gave him a kiss, and then went back upstairs. And that was that. That was the whole meeting <laughs> for now. So Keith was obviously smitten. And so he got his friend to get her phone number. The funny thing is when she answered the phone and he was like, hi, she was like, oh, hello, Mick. And he's like, no, it's not Mick. <laughs> it's Keith. <laughs> I'd be happy with either of one of them phoning me. <laughs> True. But if you had your choice? Probably Keith in this time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What about you? Mick. So yeah, Keith got lucky this time. She was in a fight with her boyfriend at the time and she kind of needed a, an escape. So they hooked up that night and he says that it was like so wild that Ushi actually ripped out his earring while in bed and he woke up like with his ear like caked in blood to the pillow and that he still has a malformation in his ear to this day from it yeah wild night wild or so this is regular night if it's my house (laughs) (laughs) that's a lie i'm gonna quote keith here 
With Ushi, especially at that time, it was lust, pure and simple. And then she grew onto me and entered my heart. We draw pictures or use sign language. Even if we couldn't talk to each other, I'd found a friend and I loved her dearly. We dabbled off and on with each other in the 70s until she took off traveling with Dieter Bockhorn and slipped from my mind and heart. I love it. So Ushi did actually join the Stones in 1975 for a week on tour, after which Keith says that she disappeared for many years. And then Ushi came back into Keith's life in the most random way. So in 1983, it's the day before his wedding to Patty. I was gonna say I know that year. Yeah, they are in Mexico. And Keith hears these rumblings about this beautiful German woman traveling in an RV that happens to be in town. Oh, no. Right? She was there with Dieter, and they were united. They talked about their lives, what they were up to. Keith told her all about Patty and that he was, you know, going to be getting married. And they had a nice kind of reunion. Unfortunately, a few weeks after the wedding, on December 31st, 1983, Dieter got into a motorcycle accident there and his head was severed. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So Keith, when, when he heard, he immediately went to find Ushi to make sure she was okay. He says that she had plenty of friends there supporting her. So he kind of let her be. Um, he says, I left Ushi in these bizarre and tragic circumstances. Our most unlikely meeting having been framed by shock and grief, first mine, then hers. Right. Because he met her when Graham died. So that wasn't really the end for them, though. Apparently, they still are quite friendly and keep in touch to this day. So does that with like quite a few of his past girlfriends, relationships, Mm -hmm. whatever. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. After Dieter's death, Ushi kind of retreated into her own private life. She relocated to California and she resides in Topanga. I couldn't find much about her life after this time, except that she ended up making jewelry for a living. She did actually pose at age 50 in 1996 for a German magazine, Naked, and you can find those photos online. And of course, she's still incredible. Um, She wrote a memoir called High Times, which came out in 2008. As far as I know, it's only been published in German. I haven't been able to find a copy. Her life was also made into a film called Eight Miles High, I haven't seen it. I've tried to find it. I haven't been able to. Which is why these episodes are perfect until we can find those and read those. Yes. Um, I wanted to end Ushi with two quotes that I found. Um, I think I found this on dangerousminds.net. She said, I just wanted to be free. I didn't think I wanted to be a rebel. I just wanted to be free and do the things I wanted to do without anyone hindering me. I wanted to live the experiences in my own skin It wasn't enough for me to be told what it was. I had to experience it down to my bones to make a judgment for what I liked and what I didn't like. And one last quote where she said, don't dream your life, live your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. She was true to that. I really like how she didn't, uh, I don't want to say like get caught up in, you know, the world of the Rolling Stones and only have that as her identifier. She made the choice to go, well, that's enough for now. And now I'm going to go live my life. Like she seems really independent and free spirited in that sense. And 
yeah, she had quite a life and obviously really loves traveling and what an amazing woman an amazing beauty. My goodness. That was great. Thank you. I love that. It was like short and sweet and I learned so much in that like small period of time. That's great. Thanks, Lynx. Well, you're welcome. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Ooh, I know when we do Miss Pamela's writing workshops, we're not allowed to use a qualifier, especially <laughs> go after somebody who did like a great job. <laughs> I'm not to qualify this because I right. learned better uh, than to do that, but that was great. I can't wait to hear about Patty. All right. Are we ready? I'm ready. Give it to me. So as you had mentioned, as you stole my thought, no, I'm just (laughs) Patty Hansen is Keith Richards's wife. They were married on December 18th, 1983, which was Keith's 40th birthday. And that means that they've been married for about 38 years. That's so impressive. My goodness. Yeah, it really is one of those rock and roll romances and marriages for the books. Mm -hmm. I didn't know they had been married for this long um, before I started this. So that's something that I learned while I was doing my research. I got some sources from a Harper's Bazaar article from 2011, Vanity Fair from 2018, Wikipedia uh, Vogue from 2018 and Alice magazine from 2020. So I've come a little bit of these together right now. Patty is active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really seem almost approachable or like a, you know, a real person in that sense. Her Instagram page is followed by Ronnie Spector. Nice. Yeah. Uh, she's represented by DNA models and, In her Instagram link is Keith's recent music video, which is a song that was released in 2020 called Hate It When You Leave. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's really cute that she's just like promoting, you know, her husband's just like any, any wife would do of her, you know, maybe husband just came out with a new song, but in her case, it's freaking Keith Richards. So I actually watched the video and listened to the song and I ran, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I'll check it out. It looks like as of late, Patty and Keith have been able to go incognito with hats and masks. Nice. She's been posting photos of them with their dogs on a beach and things seem really nice. This must be a good time for celebrities with the incognito. Yeah. Right. So let's start from the beginning. Patricia Alvine Hansen was born on March 17th, 1956, which makes her now 64 years old. She was born and raised in Tottenville, Staten Island, and was the youngest of six or seven children. A couple of the different websites gave me different stats. So let's just go approximately six or seven children. My goodness. Her father was a bus driver and her mom was a homemaker. Cool. Really humble roots. Mm-hmm. Patty was discovered. I mean, and how could she not have been? Have you seen her? Stunning natural beauty, my goodness. A knockout. A knockout. Discovered at the age of 16 at a hot dog stand. Now, I'm not sure if she was working or if she was buying a hot dog, but either way, she was signed to Wilhelmina Models and then moved to Manhattan. Amazing. That's where my dad was a model. Of course he was. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, your dad was and still is. (laughs) During her modeling career, Patty appeared on the covers of American Vogue, Seventeen, Glamour, and Harper's Bazaar. She had major campaigns like the one for Calvin Klein, where she was featured on a billboard in Times Square, and a major Revlon deal. In 1978, she was on the cover of Esquire, celebrating the Year of the Lusty Woman. The cover is, like, insanely hot. She looks so good. And uh, the cover, like, I I went and I looked it up, it says... The new styles have a clear message. It's okay to be a sex object again. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Okay. When was it? Okay. So I don't even. Advertising. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. That's for another (laughs) podcast called let's unpack that. Yeah. (laughs) So we're just going to move on. All right. From the bizarre article, I have a quote by Michael Kors. He says, cool is a word that comes up often in description of Hanson. Patty is the ultimate cool girl. She is rock and roll royalty, but also incredibly down to earth and has one of the most genuine souls out there. Donna Karen, who has worked with Hanson since the late 80s, is equally enthusiastic. She's been the same girl since I've known her. She's cool. She's hot. She's a mother. She's a caring and giving person. They are a deep, deep family. Simon Doonan adds, when you're as groovy as Patty, you don't need to put on airs. She's totally affable and, best of all, very unpretentious. And her daughter, Theodora, says simply, she's just the coolest mom in the world. She sounds like it. Yeah. Hottest mom in the world, too. Hottest mom, coolest mom. Patty and Keith met in 1979 at Studio 54. Patty was celebrating her 23rd birthday. Keith believes it was a setup, but Patty was unaware of it or really of him. She wasn't a huge fan of the band and didn't know that much about Keith. She He saw her on the dance floor and describes this blonde beauty dancing with flying hair. So she really made an impression on him. 
Him, maybe not so much on her at the time, since it had been last call, and she couldn't get another bottle of champagne. But it was her birthday, and Keith was able to get her one, of course. (laughs) He brought it to her. She said, thank you, took it, and went back to the dance floor. Amazing. (laughs) Of course, they would meet again, but that night wasn't the night for them to really connect. Keith said, though, that that vision stayed in his mind. Nine months later, it would be Jerry Hall who would invite Patty to Keith's 36th birthday party, and it was there that they realized that they had a connection. Keith says, incredibly, I've found a woman, a miracle. She is the most beautiful specimen in the world. It certainly helps, but it's her mind, her joy of life, and she thinks this battered junkie is the guy she loves. It sounds like um like a right time, right place kind of relationship for Keith, at least, right? Like he was over that part of his life. Exactly. Know. And I'm glad he did. And like the age difference, I guess, seems to work for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because, yeah, he was able to get that out of his system. And if he hadn't, then we wouldn't have all these great stories. About exactly. Share. So thank yeah. you for selling them wild oats. <laughs> Um, I actually did check. I had forgot. I not forgot. I just didn't put it into um, the episode. You were talking about some of Ushi's past relationships. And uh, I looked for Patty just briefly. I was like, oh, did she have? I mean, she was only 23 when she met Keith. And then nine months later, they connected. So did she have any like big relationships before that? And it says that she's been linked with Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, he had a thing for models like Dorothy Stratton. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, and and with James DePiva, DePiva. I'm not sure who that but is. That seems like besides those two, like Keith Spinner, main guy. Keith would send her mixtapes, draw her drawings, and send. This is. I thought this was funny. Send her collages of herself from her magazine shoots. <laughs> By the way, he went, now that I know that he went and like sought out Ushi, this guy developed fixations. Oh, for sure. For sure. Patty's kept all of these in all in in boxes. Whenever she's asked about their wild days together in the 70s and 80s, she just smiles and says, all the myths are true. Nice. She said that she joined in on Keith's frenzy. Those were the times. Um, But Keith had promised her mom he'd take care of her. So it sounds like when they would get into their pattern of high partying, she'd get really thin, which probably at that time was good for her modeling career, but ultimately Mm -hmm. not good for herself. So then Keith would take the time off, would take time off. They'd probably go to some island or something, and then he'd put the weight back on her. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Keith still writes her letters, and in 1983, as we had said, they were married in Mexico. The couple moved from their Manhattan home to Western Connecticut, where they would raise their daughters, Theodora and Alexandra. It seems like they had to, they tried to have kind of the most normal life as possible. Keith would bring the girls back and forth from school. They were part, they participated in their dance recitals and all of those kinds of things. So it sounds like that was a good place for them. Nice. Patty had a breast cancer scare in 2005, and then only a few years later in 2007, she had bladder cancer. Oh, wow. 
She is cancer-free now, but she's found a calling in raising awareness for the disease. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Good for her. her. I think when Keith fell out of the tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. Had a really rough couple of years there where neither of them were doing really well, but they seemed to have recovered pretty good. good. Supporting each other through it. Yeah. In 2018, the book Patty Hansen, A Portrait, was released. Vogue says the book spans Hansen's 40-year career from her original 1972 photographs on Glamour to her most recent 2012 Vogue shoot. In addition to tracing Hansen's incredible career, the book looks into her illustrious personal life. The Vanity Fair article says Richards was on hand as a supportive husband and said he played almost no role in creating the book, written by Ivan Shaw, the director of photography at the Condé Nast Archive. I was involved in the way that Patty would say, what do you think about this picture? Basically, I wanted it to be her thing. And I knew that Patty knows what she wants to do. If I didn't, if I said anything, it wouldn't have made any difference anyway. The lady has a hell of a story to tell. So the night of the party, Alexandra, their daughter, was the DJ. Um, She is also represented by a modeling agency, New York Models, because, I mean, have you seen that? They're They're both gorgeous. They actually look like, like they both look so much like both of their parents. I can see them both perfectly in them. Yeah. Good genes. She's also an activist for Project Zero, which works to turn the tides on the climate crisis. Theodora Richards has a show on Sirius XM Channel 28 every Tuesday called Off the Cuff. There's an interview with her in Alice Magazine where she explains that her original idea was to make eclectic mixtapes for her parents. Cool. I think that's sweet considering that that's what Keith did for Patty and like kind of continues to do in their romance. The article describes her show, the Sirius XM show, as it combines conversation with creme de la creme, with la creme de la creme of rock royalty from Iggy Pop to her dad with the spinning of tunes that are meaningful to the discussion. Nice. They all seem active on Instagram, so Theodore and Alexandra as well. So, and of course, they're all followed by rock royalty. And so I guess I, now that I've done this, you know, it's presented in quite like a simple and wholesome, who would have thought Keith Richards, (laughs) simple and wholesome ending to his, well, not ending, continuation of his personal and private life and relationships with the amazing wife and beautiful daughters, Keith Richards surrounded by beautiful women for the rest of his life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense that, you know, we've talked about him and Anita and the crazy lifestyle they lived and we covered, you covered Ronnie. And so you get a little bit of Keith in there and now, yeah, Ushi and Patty, it makes sense that at this point in his life, you know, he found the right person to settle down with and build a family and, you know, have like a support system there. And it's nice that, you know, they seem to all really care about one another and what a great family. Yeah. That was great. Thank you for that. And thank you for that. Oh, I'm so excited to do more of these. We have so many ideas of women that have something or someone in common yes too that we're gonna and combine we can even do episodes like this about you know rock royalty where you know the kids are uh you know they have interesting stories too and a lot of uh these rock star 
kids end up being musicians or in the music business in some aspect of an or another so plenty there's plenty more and keep telling us who you want to hear as cover. we're open to suggestions yeah we we write every one of them down we have a big list yeah keep them coming and we hope you enjoy you know coming up now weekly episodes so yeah and whether you're new or you've been with us for a while if you wouldn't mind heading over and giving us a five-star review or five-star rating and review we would love that so much if you would like to support us in other ways you can head over to our patreon patreon.com slash muses podcast for five dollars a month you get a whole bunch of extra bonus episodes whether Mm -hmm. we're just chatting or watching movies or review movies or giving you suggestions of what we've been listening to what we've been watching that's all there what else links instagram at muses podcast or instagram twitter we're gonna be setting up a tiktok soon uh maybe it'll be up now by the time this is out so check out that muses pod and uh yeah plenty of new exciting stuff so check out the other shows on the lipstick and vinyl network as well give lipstick and vinyl a follow on instagram on facebook everywhere because those are some amazing shows that we really should be continuing to support thank you everybody for listening we love you so much and we'll see you next week see you next week bye Muses is researched, edited, and produced by us, Chantella Mew and Lynx O'Leary. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.